big weekend for football, all kinds of football. Uh, Penn State recruiting takes it to a new level on Saturday. I'm Thomas Frankar, probably even before then, uh, because there's some some important stuff going on this weekend. That's why with the important people here on the show, Sean Fitz, publisher of Blue White Illustrated, he's back as always. Ryan Snyder, recruiting insider for Blue White Illustrated, talking about the players and the names you need to know this weekend that are going to be visiting Penn State. Ryan, I want to start with you. You've been working very hard on the list. You've been working very hard on confirming who's going to be uh, there this weekend. You mm-hmm. can check out all his stuff at bluewhiteillustrated.com. Sign up right now. Great time to mention that. But, Ryan, just generally the list that you have been working on, give us the the feeling you have about it going into this weekend in terms of all the things we normally ask about. Yeah, great list for a noon start, Sean. I think you, you'd agree with that. Uh, maybe I'm probably a little bit of that I would have thought two weeks ago, uh, just because of high school playoffs, all that sort of stuff. Uh, right now we're at 81 confirmations. I've got, uh, let's see here. I think it's, where did I put my notes? Yeah, they are. 15 four-star players for 2025 class. Pretty good, right? It, whether it's on threes, four-star, or on three industry, I just kind of combine those two. So 15 four-star players, you know, out of the 2025 uncommitted guys, of course, there's more when you add in the commits. Uh, the 2026 is interesting to me. It's a little smaller than I thought it would be. Usually, at least recently, we've been seeing quite a few 2026 guys. It's uh, uh, there's a handful. What is it? I don't know, six, seven uh, guys who have an offer, you know, that, that are coming up. And then of course there's a bunch of guys who don't hold an offer yet, but with them only being sophomores, you'll likely get some down the road. But uh, like I said, 81 confirmations, I see us getting a few more, uh, maybe closer to 90 or so. I don't know if we'll get to a hundred, but uh, you know, talk to me on Saturday morning and it'll be 110. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, how do you how are you looking at this weekend in terms of importance impact the game is obviously the centerpiece but there's a lot of stuff going on around it that Penn State can make some headway with what Ryan was just talking about right yeah I, I agree with Ryan it's a good list and it's uh, it's a situation where I think you probably see Michigan you see the big game and you expect something similar to the layout which which it's tough this time of year you got high school playoffs which have, you know put a put a big dent into it St. Joe's prep plays on Saturday Imitep plays on Saturday you know a lot of these schools um, that where Penn State often hosts some of their marquee visitors are are in action on Saturday, so that that hurts the noon kick. James Frank was asked about that last night, and you know it's it's not ideal. It's not ideal to have kids show up at eight a.m., nine a.m. and try and balance getting your team ready with getting the one-on-one time that they need. Apologize, apologies for my voice, by the way. I've got I picked up a cold this week, so that's why I sound uh, so sultry. Um, but uh, no, it's it's a, I think it's a very good list, um, and it continues to grow. Ryan and I have some uh, some feelers out for some guys that we think are going to be there that uh, could really uh, amplify the presence of this list once again. But uh, all in all, the way it looks right now, the way that Ryan has just crushed it this week, uh, it, it's a pretty good list. You know, and T-Fact, real quick to add, like mm-hmm. I was comparing it to last year's Ohio State list, and last year it ended up being about sixty or so, you know, true Division One prospects. Uh, you know, there's a handful of guys in here who end up being walk-ons or so. But when I do compare it to what that Ohio State, you know, big and kickoff was last year, it is it is bigger than last year. So uh, kudos to the staff. They've clearly been working on this for a couple of weeks now. Uh, that's a good segue to remind you if you want to sign up, bluewhiteillustrate.com to get that information from Fitz and from Ryan as the week goes on. Saturday morning when things are going on, subscribe right now. We have a big game sale. There is a massive game coming, as you know. The internet is on fire, and we're here to uh, satiate that. 
50% off for new subscribers over at BlueWhiteIllustrated.com. Uh, you can sign up using uh, the, the promo code. And uh, when you do that, you get you get a yearly subscription for just over $50. It had to be $50 and change, so I couldn't actually say exactly $50. But the point is, you get all kinds of information on recruiting, analysis, reporting, behind-the-scenes, administration stuff, all the things that Blue White Illustrated brings you, the most complete and comprehensive coverage of Penn State football all year round for just over fifty dollars. Subscribe right now and get all that great stuff. Don't also, forget, don't forget basketball. We don't, we don't need to hear that from Nate again. Yes, very good point. Basketball has started. I have to remember to bring that back into my uh, into my promo. The basketball has started. You get the insights into what's going on with with uh, building an entirely new program for the Nittany Lions on that side as well. Also today, uh, bird dogs. You want to get your bird dogs? I was just talking to somebody on the the board fits, and somebody asked me. What's the value of a built-in liner in shorts? Like, what's the whole point? And I said, well, I haven't thought about my underwear since I started wearing bird ducks. Like, I sit for a living, and you know how, like, you sit and you move around and, like, you do stuff, and all of a sudden you've got, like, you're wearing a man thong? Well, oh. with these compression oh, really? shorts, never oh. happens. Never thought about it once. Don't think about these all the So bird dogs, if you want to use the promo code BWI, uh, you'll get a free hydro flask style tumbler that you could you get with your purchase of your bird they're super comfortable fit i've already made fits uncomfortable once again uh with the ways i've described these things but fits coming to you how do you like your bird dogs while i take a sip of my uh, bird dogs yeti tumbler I, I love them and i got we got some people in chat saying you're having some audio issues so if you didn't notice t frank did say the word man so uh not everybody could hear that um so anyway uh no i i love mine i'm wearing mine right now uh just hopped out of the shower and them on the liner is to, to me a major because it's not too tight not too loose uh i used to be a boxer guy switched to the boxer briefs and this is kind of right in between that sweet spot and uh i did that with my fingers but i uh i really like it um so yeah we're, we're appreciative of bird dogs and the support that they us. i'm appreciative of bird dogs as i'm wearing them right now so thank you for having us uh, and of course, you can get the the hat a part of uh, you know some of their merchandise over at the site as well. Use the promo code BWI uh, to get your free gift with your first bird dogs purchase. And as we talked about, uh, they are high quality stuff. And with being sixty degrees in November on a regular basis, you can wear them even longer now. Uh, is my audio okay now? They say it's everyone, so I don't know what the, uh, the issue is. Right. Streamyard, it's probably the streamyard thing that you had the other day, so that's fun. Yeah, so just to apologize to everybody. We go through a, a program called Streamyard uh, to broadcast this to you on YouTube. Yesterday, they cut it out in the middle of our broadcast, Michigan's and today <laughs> we have absolutely uh, terrible uh, connection today. So hopefully, we get through all of this. This is uh, this is super fun for everybody. Let's get to the stuff though. Let's talk about the list. The names you need to know coming up this weekend for Penn State football and who they're hosting. So Ryan, I'm coming to you off the bat. Who are the players you want to highlight first? Yeah, like I said 80 plus guys, so we could go all day on this one. I think there's a couple that really stand out, and I'm going to go with one guy who just confirmed today, Tariq Kayer, you know, right outside the top 50, number 52 in the country right now, defensive back. Yeah, out of St. John's College High, where he's a safety long-term, whether he's a corner long-term, we'll see. Uh, Sean seems to think he's going to be a safety 
Uh, I, I don't disagree. He's been a lot more safety you know, at St. John's, you know, compared to the corner, which he was playing underclassman. So 5'11", 175, four-star at every site, you know, top 100 at every site. So, so this is certainly a player that I think Penn State's going to be pushing hard for in the uh, months ahead. You know, one other two that, that I think fans have seen by now is, is Trent Wilson, uh, defensive lineman out of Wise uh, High School, was, was originally at – or was going to go transfer to St. Francis, I'm not exactly sure what all happened there, but he ended up at Wise this year. Didn't play the first half of the season. Uh, he, he has been playing out here over the last couple of weeks. And, uh, yeah, and I think everybody knows he's going to be probably one of Penn State's top defensive linemen. Probably absolutely is one of Penn State's top defensive linemen in this class. Four-star at every site, number 26 in the country, on three. You know, the, the industry rating, which, of course, you know, Miles, Rebels, 24-7, everybody has been number 45 in the country. So he's absolutely one of the top guys in the Mid-Atlantic region, somebody that I think Penn State is going to push really hard for. And, you know, we'll see long-term who, who they fight it out with. I think it's pretty clear Ohio State's going to be in the mix. I expect him to take some certain visits at some point. And uh, hopefully you guys are hearing everything I said right now. <laughs> yeah, as we work through this, the, the problem is, like, and not to get too far into the weeds, guys, but uh... – the, the way that these things are set up is that they're very easy for anyone to use, but there's also absolutely nothing I can do uh, if there are any issues that, you know, in terms of connection or stream like that. So hopefully it'll work itself out, but I'll be working on anything it's I can. Working perfect fine for the three of us. Right. And usually, yeah. you know, that's we get issue. you. Yeah. yeah, that's what's weird because I, I hear you guys perfectly fine. And usually it's on our end where it's static yeah. and everybody else says it's, you know, whatever. So. Fitz, um, interesting guys and names that you want to highlight on the list. Well, we got to start with the uh, official visitor this weekend, Andrew Dennis, the offensive lineman from Mount Pleasant, Michigan, former Michigan State commit. This was a guy Penn State was on before all the Michigan State stuff popped up. I guess, you know, kind of when it when it did pop up, Penn State gave him a few calls. They hosted him for a visit back in the spring. Penn State actually didn't offer until the fall, so that's an interesting sort of subplot to this one because he was interested enough to take an unofficial, an unofficial visit uh, in the spring, but never actually picked up an offer from Penn state. So Penn state's board, of course, uh, with, with as many guys as they have on it, pretty small, you know, they, they, they like Dennis, uh, Kevin Haywood is still around, you know, in, in South or Southeastern Pennsylvania. Uh, but there aren't a ton of offensive linemen out there. So they're keeping their options open and they're going to, they're, they're interested enough to uh, bring him in for an official visit. So, He's a guy who's probably a guard. Um, I think he's definitely a guard. I w there was some talk about some swing, but the more tape I watch, the more I think he's an interior player. Um, yeah, and with agreed. what Penn State has uh, at tackle in this class, you always want more tackles, obviously, but you have the flexibility to take another interior guy if you want to. And as we've seen this year, it, you know, interior depth and offensive line depth in general, you want as many of those guys as you can get. So Penn State uh, saw an opportunity here. They're going to bring Dennis in this weekend. I think that uh, – He's very interested. I know Clemson's in the mix. I know there's a couple other schools that have come on. Uh, he's going to take an official visit to Illinois. Uh, he's going to go to Clemson. He's going to he's going to check out some other places. I think he's going to announce at the uh, the old Army Bowl, the the All American Bowl in San Antonio. So it looks like um, that uh, Penn State's right in this one near the top, if not at the top. So you know, I don't think a decision is coming this weekend. I think he's going to step back and and re reconfigure where he's at in his recruitment. And he did so by, by backing off his commitment to the Spartans. So Penn state interested there in Andrew Dennis from Michigan. Uh, Andrew has been an interesting guy all the way back to the summer where we uh, first, you know, took a look into him. He has a certain profile. 
Um, do, the the power and the strength on film are clear from Andrew Dennis in terms of he's going to be a big, strong interior player. Is that part of the allure here with, with him? I, I understand best available in terms of like guys that are available right now. They always want to identify maybe an offensive lineman that slipped through the cracks, Jim Diono, um, Vega Iwane, but but the size and the strength, it seems like Penn State has prioritized that lately. Is that fair to say that's why Andrew Dan- Dennis is one of the guys this year? I, I think so. And I think there's some familiarity there that, that helps with that. Like they've had him on campus. They've measured his arm length. They know basically what his build is like. So that's a lot of times when you're going out, even with Chimney and even with Venga, it was a situation where you were working with a lot of the unknowns. So you're going to have to go to people you trust for measurements. You're eventually going to have to bring those guys in on visits. So they, they still are a little bit more familiar with him and they've got more tape. And that's, it's interesting when you talk about, uh, offensive linemen uh, and how you evaluate those guys in the junior year is the big year, obviously, when you're talking about uh, looking at tape, but to have the, uh, to have the ability and the the luxury really of, of being able to watch him as a senior is something that you like, you can't really overlook there. So they've seen what he has developed into. And you never, you don't always see that with, uh, with guys that are going into their senior year. So they've, they've, they've seen what the next step looks like. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, yeah, I think that's where the way to go. So hopefully our audio is good enough and hopefully we've done uh, a good job of fixing that. And hopefully, you know, a little bit more about Andrew Dennis. Yeah. It's, it's going to be what it's going to be at this point. So, uh, we're going to just chug along with the show, Ryan quarterbacks, uh, everyone loves a quarterback conversation. So some interesting names, some big names, some rising names as well. going to be at the, uh, at the game this weekend, take your pick of where you want to start on that list that we have here for the show. Yeah, I mean, I think the the thing is all three of what looks like Penn State's top three 2025 quarterbacks are expected to be here. Matt Zolders, of course, we've talked about him a good bit over the last month or so. Springford, out of, uh, you know, outside of Philadelphia, really has blown up. Uh, Penn State just offered, was it just last week? I think it was last Thursday. I think it was exactly uh, a week ago uh, that, that Penn State offered him and uh, you know, he really kind of came on my radar in, in September, started putting on some big stats, went and watched him against Mannheim Township. Very impressive arm. Uh, I would say Malik Washington. So the other two, of course, Malik Washington, Ryan Montgomery, all three of them have tweeted it out. I, I think if you guys uh, pay attention to Twitter and recruiting, like I assume many of you do, you know, you, you've seen that these three have all kind of put it out there publicly now. Uh, when I compare Zolders and Malik, I mean, I, Zolders, I think, certainly had the better junior season. Malik has some athleticism that's pretty, uh, I don't I, what's the best word? Not too many guys can match that in this class. I got to watch him against Imitap and, you know, just the way he steps up in the pocket, able to take off, uh, really impressed me. I mean, he has a burst that I have seen from too many quarterbacks here in recent years. And then Ryan Montgomery is kind of the, the unknown right now because that recruitment has felt like it's been up and down uh, over the last year. There's a lot for, you know, I don't know, what was it, a couple months it felt like he was maybe going towards Michigan, you know, now Michigan, you know, certainly seems to be all in Bryce Underwood. And then you have the fact that he's been going down South recently, Auburn, South Carolina seem to be in the mix. Uh, we'll see if any other schools, but, but where is Montgomery on their board? Is this truly a first come uh, first serve situation? You know, where, where one of them were to commit, would Penn state consider two? you know, say if somebody like Matt Zollers wanted to make a move, which I don't think he's going to, uh, soon, but say he wanted to make a move in a month or two. And Malik Washington is another guy who I think 
firmly been leaning towards Penn State, would they consider taking both? Uh, that's that's going to certainly be a question I think we talk about more uh, maybe as, a, as we get into 2024 a bit. But all three of these guys seem to be the three that we're focused on the most. And, uh, yeah, Sean, I'll throw it to you. Just just kind of any thoughts on uh, on these three? Would they consider taking both? I think James Franklin would do a cannonball into that pool if uh, yeah. both of them wanted to come. It's more of a situation of, and you know this from following recruiting, uh, quarterback recruiting, that doesn't happen very often. You know, Penn mm-hmm. State has done it. Like, they they did it in a special situation where Bo committed very early, and then there was the, the coaching change, uh, the, the coordinator change, and then he found uh, Drew Aller. So that's different. And then – Michael Johnson and uh, Taquan Roberson a couple of years ago, which was yeah. you know, geographically that helps. You know, like if you took somebody from California, you took someone from, uh, or excuse me, he was from, he was in Oregon mm-hmm. and he took someone from uh, New Jersey. Like the, the impact of them overlapping is not going to come, come about, but Washington and Zoller's uh, Penn State would love it, but I have a tough time seeing that, uh, that one come together. It's very interesting uh, how that one's come along. And Zoller's honestly, has been a guy that we've been talking about on Blue White Illustrated for a long time. This isn't a situation where they just they just got some new tape and they liked him. They had him on campus several times to throw for uh, for Mike Yersich, Danny O'Brien. Um, had a great uh, junior year. You went to one of his games where they played Mannheim Township. Uh, I would say the competition's a little bit better at uh, Spalding for, for Malik Washington, and that doesn't always matter. But when you're playing the the secondaries that Malik Washington had to face, there's a little bit less space in there, so that yeah. that'll go into it. But both of these guys, uh, four stars in the uh, firmly in the on three hundred uh, by by on three sports, uh, both both really good players. And I mean, quarterback recruiting, there's no pl- there's no blueprint, there's no playbook. We saw it last year. Penn State got a, a really really good quarterback in the spring after uh, you know the the first guy that they targeted went elsewhere, and nobody's talking about the first guy anymore. And I think with good reason because Ethan Grunkmeyer is a pretty darn good player. Um, so uh, I, I it, it's hard to say if, you know, you wanted to offer this guy first, you wanted to offer um, or, or like it, it's hard to say that the guy that you offer first is always going to be the top target. Now, the top target is Bryce Underwood. I mean, like, let's For sure. not really silver line that one. Uh, and Penn State thinks they, they're in it, but they're not going to get him. I mean, that's kind of where they're at with that. So you look at the realistic guys. These guys are in there. Uh, Carter Smith from Florida is in there. Beckham Kritza, who's been all over the map, uh, is in there as well. So they've got options. And at this point, you know, looking back to last year, I don't think the board was as obvious, you know, as this is uh, in the in the 2025 cycle. Or as talented. You know, I just think that these guys, you look at uh, Matt Zollers has great, we talk about athleticism. He's got great moves in the pocket. You, you mentioned maybe not the same level of competition, and some of these passes are painfully wide open. But, you know, accuracy, he's got great fundamentals from a uh, the way he delivers the football. It's very smooth, quick release. Malik Washington, athletic as well. Ryan Montgomery, built like a tank, throws like a – he's got a howitzer. So, like, the talent and the level of ability are absolutely there. And I think that that Ryan, – Ryan, we've been talking about this. I think that Penn State's recruiting, and obviously they have to get one of these guys, but their quarterback recruiting is noticeably improving, and the guys that you're talking about and the guys that you're presenting, even if it is early on in the season, and th- things may fall apart, but they have some pretty good options right now, it seems. Is this better than you've seen in that, pro- that progress towards getting guys that are on the same level as what they've gotten recently? For sure, but they've also done a great job scouting. I mean, Ethan yeah. Grunkmeyer, I don't know. Ethan Grunkmeyer is pretty damn good uh, compared to these guys. So, I mean, yeah, when you look at what it was this time last year, yeah, it, I mean, I do kind of 
I like these guys more than like Van Buren or Samaj Jones, for example. And, you know, yep, and, and they're all uh, no offense to you guys, they're all tall enough. Like I'm, I'm sure. Why you, know, you gotta you, bring that up? You guys are you guys are very nice, um, but every quarterback in the 2024 cycle was like six foot. Yeah, and these guys aren't. Uh, Zola's legit six three. Malik Washington, legit 6'4". I mean, you look down, the, uh, yeah, uh, all these guys are bigger, which kind of fits really what they do. And we mentioned the athleticism, and you you take uh, the the mold of body type that Mike Yersich has liked for a long time, and that's usually not as mobile, but you mesh it with the athleticism. Zoller's is, I don't want to say right up there with Malik Washington as uh, as an athlete, but like he's close. Like he's his numbers are strikingly close. And he can, you know, he can he can pull it down and run it if he has to. And and we've seen what dynamic that brings to the Penn State offense. Yeah, I think that that's uh, they've, they've got a lot of guys that bring the multi-dimensional threat that that I think everyone is looking for at the quarterback position in college. And they are, from what I can see, passers first too. So that's the two tenets of what Penn State's looking for. Kind of makes a complete quarterback, which is why you know uh, it, it's tough to find guys all the time that that kind of fit all of those uh characteristics anything left on quarterbacks or, or do you want to move on to the other guys you, you want to mention ryan uh some of the other guys who've tweeted that they're coming to the game um i don't have a whole lot more on quarterbacks i'm just very intrigued where this goes i mean the one thing i will say is like okay like what we need to figure out with zolers is and i and i need to figure this out is like how, what did, what was penn state to him growing up because like I, I have a pretty good feeling from talking to malik washington's coach to like he's not going to go far like, I feel like this is going to be Maryland, Penn State, maybe Vatek. But, like, when you look at where Penn State is compared to the other schools that he's consistently visiting, like, Penn State should be the clear favorite. So then if Matt Zollers, too, is, you know, clearly leaning that way, maybe I'm a little more optimistic in the two-person class, Sean. Maybe. Just a little. I mean, you, you it, it, there's no – you can't not do it. Like, if you have that opportunity, like, there's, there's, there's certainly that in front of you. And I think they set out – we were talking about two-quarterback class in 2024. I think they set out each class to say, hey, if two want to jump on board, we'll take two. Now, that's a tough sell to the families, tough sell to the coaches to – you know, because opportunity is so crazy. And then you bring into the, you go to the other side with the transfer portal. And that's certainly something that plays into that. But what I would say here, and you look at the 2025 quarterback rankings on on three and Underwood and McIntyre are the top two. I don't think there's any question that, that Bryce Underwood and George McIntyre are the two top prospects in this class in terms of uh, quarterbacks. Alabama is very heavy into McIntyre. Alabama was also in Bryce Underwood's top seven. I think LSU probably has an edge for Bryce Underwood, although Michigan is LSU and Michigan are the two that are, that are always there. Um, but Ohio state has a quarterback. Notre Dame has a quarterback commit in 25, Texas, o Oregon, Colorado, who, which is going to be a player like uh, mm -hmm. Clemson, you know, you, you look down the list and all these prominent schools, not all these prominent schools, but a lot of these prominent schools who often overlap going over the same or going after the same quarterbacks, have quarterback commits. That's going to help Penn State. That's going to thin out the field. And it's not it's not a situation where they win somebody by default, but that's going to take away an option, an intriguing option, and an appealing option for Malik Washington, for Zollers, for Ryan Montgomery, something like that. So it's 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 a very it's actually setting up really well for Penn State. Like I don't I don't mm -hmm. know if it's a if we're going to be talking about this uh, this guy in a year and in, in terms of like he's 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 the real uh, not the real deal, but. It's setting up really well for Penn State to land one of their priorities, and their priorities look ahead of where they were in 2024.
And then hold on, last thing I'll say to you, Frank, too, is yeah. their actual current roster depth there is much different than it was in previous years, too, You know, which makes two quarterback classes a little less appealing to uh, Malik Washington or, or Zoller. So uh, yeah. I think both these guys are very, very seriously interested. I think Ryan Montgomery is very seriously interested in Penn State, which you know bodes well for maybe the chances of it happening. But again, when you go back to what it what the, what the quarterback depth was when you know they were taking Perbula and Aller, it's it's quite different now. Yeah, but to that point, I also think that it's a small thing. But James Franklin can point to, hey, look how much we've tried to get Bo Perbula into the game. How much we have <laughs> emphasized that if we take two quarterbacks, we're going to take it seriously, and and everyone's going to get. An, there's obviously a starter, but you're going to get an opportunity to play if you're worthy of getting on the football field in some form or fashion. Now, obviously the dynamic of the two guys is different, you know, from a stylistic standpoint and what they bring to the table, but just, you know, you can spin any of those things the way you want to, to put your best case forward. Ryan, let's get to some of the other guys that you were thinking about. Oh, can you go ahead? Hey, T go Frank, ahead. can you put John's comment up on the, the, the screen there? Sure. Uh, it's about quarterback recruiting and it, or yeah, <laughs> that one. Uh, do you put, does Penn state push for a particular quarterback depending on testing camps and tape? I think this is an interesting look into how they do things. So Penn state was right in the mix with Hunter Johnson. This is a long, long time ago. I mean, 20 class of 2017, I think it was, they were right in the mix with Hunter Johnson, but also in that top five tier, which we're, we're seeing a top five tier with Penn state, Sean Clifford decided he wanted to go to Penn state. So do you take this guy who you think can play football at Penn state, Sean Clifford in this instance, and do you decide to brush him off or do you decide to take him? Penn State decided to take him and there was some blowback there because Hunter Johnson was on campus several times. Penn State really liked what they had with him, but you just don't know. So you you take what you have in hand and they took Sean Clifford ended up being the right decision. Now with this one, I think these guys are a little bit closer um, in terms of perception because Hunter Johnson, you could play hindsight with all that all the time, but you look like a good quarterback prospect at the time. But they're ready to, I think, take the take one of these guys. And I, I, I'm i not going to say I, they don't care which one it is, but like these guys are in a tier where they are takes for a reason. And that's that's the that's the way that they would go about it. So you, you might have your own little uh, lineup in your head, it, but it's not like, OK, we're going to wait until one makes a decision and then we're going to move on to two, three, four, you know, et cetera. It's a situation where they've determined that these guys are good enough to be in their class and they will be happy if any of these guys jump in, jump on board. I, think so I, hope that, I hope that answers the question. Yeah, that's a great point. And going back to, you know, they all they all have the talent. They're all in that kind of, as you mentioned, as you said, that tier of these guys are good enough to play at Penn State and they have the skills to to make things happen. Ryan, uh, round us out here on the list. Well, just the last thing I, was, I just want to add that there's going to be some St. Francis guys coming up, Sean. That's uh, interesting. We'll, we'll see Yay. where things go. Obviously, St. Francis is... A school of Penn State, <clears throat> excuse me, guys, has, has struggled to to get commitments from in the past. But, you know, they have some talented guys coming up. Uh, how, do, how do you pronounce Is it Kevin Humes? Do you know how to pronounce his last name, Sean? Kevin? Sure. I mean, he's, he's one, of the <laughs> one of the top defensive backs in the country. So I think that's intriguing. Wayne Henry, uh, 2026 guy who's also pretty high. And, and Jere Edwards as well. Um, you know, three three notable St. Francis players coming up. I also I do want to mention this Darian Williams kid. There's actually a couple I want to mention. Darian Williams is interesting. Just he he doesn't hold an offer from Penn State uh, out of Gaither down in Tampa. He's coming up this weekend. 
uh, but he camped really well uh, at Penn State and he ran some really, really nice numbers. So just somebody to maybe keep an eye on down the road. Uh, but th there's just I mean, we could go all day on some of these guys. I like this Halim Muhammad kid from from Pennington. I think there's some decent film on him. And I, I do kind of feel like he's a guy who could blow up at some point. Penn State hasn't offered him yet. He's a 2025 defensive lineman. Uh, this is only his second kid. year playing playing football. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Pennsylvania kid who's, who's mm -hmm. playing in, in New Jersey. Yeah, he was from, I think, Willow Grove, PA is what, is what it was. But now out at Pennington, um, I, I, I think he's just somebody who right now he only has like three offers. I think it's Maryland, Syracuse, West Virginia, something like that. You know, the three local schools, I want to say. Uh, but I, I, I kind of get the vibe just from talking to some people and the way people are talking him up that he could be someone in, in two, three months now that's, you know, approaching a dozen offers or so. Uh, we have one special uh, entry here on the list. Will Fitopoulos. We got a kicker for Fitz. Fitz, <laughs> uh, what, it, just whatever you want to talk about with Will Fitopoulos coming to Penn State uh, for this particular game. I like how you put Will in quotes because his, his first name is also difficult to pronounce. And he goes by Will for, for our sake, and I appreciate that. Um, so he came back, and this is, this is a deep cut because if you follow Penn State recruiting closely, you probably even missed this. He was in town in late March and uh, came and, and you can't work out at these things, but he's been one of those guys that has done the kicker camp circuit and he's done a really good job of it. And there are, you know, opportunities out there. I'm, I'm very torn here because I'm getting the sense and this may not just be a Penn State thing, but I'm getting the sense that the portal is where you're going to look for kickers now because you can bring in kickers that you think are uber talented out of high school. They did it with Sanders Sahadak. They did it with Alex Paqueta. And then you're not really sure what they are until they you get them here. Whereas a guy like Alex Falcons, a guy like Riley Thompson goes and does it in, in, the, in the college game, ben, spends years building themselves up, getting them ready, playing mentally in the college game is completely different. So all of a sudden you've got, I don't want to call them a ready-made uh, entry there, but you've got the opportunity to do that. And sometimes you can get them as walk-ons as Penn State did with, uh, with Falcons. So I will be very curious, especially as a specialist guy myself, I will be very curious to see which direction college programs take in recruiting high school kickers because sometimes they hit, a lot of times they don't. And uh, you would like to have something that you feel pretty good about. And, and maybe they'll take both. Maybe they'll, maybe they'll bring in another scholarship guy as a kicker or punter and also go to the Ivy League, which is a really interesting scenario with um, every position, not just kickers, where they, they get four years and, hey, some of these guys have an extra year. So like, and they can't physically play legally legally they can't physically play in the ivy league anymore so very interesting how this development has come along in the last couple of years of course Stacey collins those guys that he has with him uh his analysts know a lot of those guys in the kicking camp game that's how you that's how you do a lot of your scouting as you're a special teams coordinator you you talk to the people that you trust and and you see what you can go with so be very interesting to see which direction this goes but will's coming up this weekend a kicker from florida um, and a 2024. So it's an opportunity there. And, and, and a lot of these guys that are kickers, some of them have to start as uh, as walk-ons. So is he a scholarship caliber guy? I don't know, but that's uh, it's just an interesting one. Uh, Cause any, any 2024 that visits right now that you could see at least on the periphery of a scholarship realm is, is an interesting visitor. I got one more guy, T Frank. Can I get sure. one more guy in real quick? Yeah, sure. Of We've, we should mention Elijah Melendez too. You know, he, yes. he put it out there that he's coming out. Yeah, right now he's ranked 49th in the country. Uh, linebacker prospect out of Kissimmee, Florida. Uh, Jay Sider stopped by his school during the bye week. That was one of their stops. I believe it was on Thursday or Friday. Uh, he goes to the Ohio State game a couple weeks ago. 
<clears throat> Excuse me. Sean and I both seem to have <laughs> kids. Yes, yeah, I was, that's exactly <laughs> um, what I was about to say. Yeah, you both have kids. And uh, but also, he comes, he, you know, he traveled up for the Ohio State game, did watch Penn State. Not, I mean, they watched, he watched their defense perform pretty well against the Buckeyes. But what was interesting is he stopped in State College before going home. Sean and I didn't really even know much about it. Usually we, we have somewhat of a sense of who's going to stop up and when, but that was a kind of a little bit of a surprise visit. And then here we are, what, three weeks later or so? And, and he's coming back to uh, State College to, to see this game this week. So really good-looking linebacker. I think he also uh-huh. put out a top 10 between Columbus and State College without Penn State in it. Then he visited Penn State, and now oh, he's back to right. Penn State. So, right. hey, man, 2025 Florida recruiting, we're all in it. We had to we had to cover the kicker first, and then we got to the top 50 kid coming up. <laughs> I mean, we have I, our I priorities and standards, fits. that's for sure. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, he's got a he's got a stacked offer list though. I mean, like I said, we already mentioned Ohio State. Uh, he's got Georgia, Bama, all types of really good schools. So uh, Penn State obviously always does pretty well at linebacker, and uh, you know Jaywan does a great job in Florida. So we'll see where this goes. But just interesting to me that he's coming back up here three weeks later. You know, after you know stopping by on a Sunday, meeting with the staff, wants to see a game in Beaver Stadium. He's he's going to see a game this weekend. Uh, that's for sure. Uh, and that leads us into our next conversation, which is about uh, Penn State practice, which we saw yesterday, Thursday. We always give you the lowdown on what was going on. Um, some of the context, I should say. The full stuff you want to know about, the full availability report, et cetera, bluewhiteillustrated.com. Not only do you get it there first, but you get the complete context, which is a great reason to sign up with our big game special, 50% off your first year for new subscribers. So Fitz, you and I were there last night at practice. Um, what was your observation over on the defense? Chop. Chop was back. That is good. Like, uh, yeah. I don't want to get too into the weeds there. But, uh, no, he, he was back at practice. James Franklin said he's been back with them uh, all week. Of course, he went down to Maryland, warmed up, which I think is a big step. Like, I, I it's probably it was probably overlooked, but that's a big step in getting him back. Um, as far as like where he's at on a percentage scale, I don't do percentages anyway, but like, it's impossible to say, like, I, you know, uh, hesitate to call him a full participant last night just because, you know, they're going to be watching him like a hawk all week long, just to make Mm -hmm. sure that the right things are happening and he's doing the right things and getting himself where he needs to be for Saturday physically, but also mentally. And also, you know, from a health perspective. So, but the important thing that he was out there, you know, I mean, Vanover was out there. They had five defensive ends going through their rotation, which means Jamil Lyons, I I assume was bumped back down to the D squad there. Um, But uh, if that, if that maybe you want to read between the lines there, they're going to go in with five and and be ready with five. That tells you that they think they're going to be ready with chop and they're going to be ready with a mean. So, um, I'm a lot of the way there, but given how Penn State has handled injuries in the past, like it's uh, it's never a final thing, and that's the the doctor's call. Yeah, it's always a hard thing to say because we saw JB Nelson in a similar situation where he was a full participant going through contact, which I think is really important when we do signify these things because early in the year Trey Wallace was going through practice, never took any sort of contact, and then was always a mystery at game day. Uh, and then, of course, J.B. Nelson didn't play in the game we expected him to. But um, as you said, all signs are, are positive. With with the passing game, once again, focus on uh, the, I should say, the offense focuses on the passing game. And that's what we, we get to see the exact same positional drills, the exact same part of practice each week. So things haven't necessarily changed. All of the details and things like that will keep over at the site. But a couple of things I did notice, route detail, depth, timing, 
um, high pointing the football, all of the things about the receiver position that James Franklin has mentioned of the details of the game, they're harping on it. So the question of, you know, what is the staff doing? Why aren't they doing X, Y, and Z? They're doing everything they possibly can to get these guys to understand the details of the position and to get the passing game to click, which is going to be very important this weekend to play complimentary football and not have one part of your game or the other shut down. Offense, uh, offensive line spent a little bit of time with them. A lot of guys from the D squad were, were getting work when we were there, so a little bit less than we normally get to see. But, um, you know, typical stuff they've been working there. The offense really kind of uh, same as usual fits with, uh, with what we see week to week. James Franklin's press conference. Ryan, I don't know if you had a chance to catch any of it, but uh, there are some interesting things that uh, we can talk about now here on the show. And by the way, if you're here in the chat, we're going to have a mini mailbag here at the end if there are any good questions and uh, that you want to throw up here into the chat. We'll have that after we're done talking about practice and James Franklin. So throw those in right now. We'll get to any if we have any at the end of the show. But Fitz, um, James Franklin talked about a number of topics yesterday. Chop was one of those things. His health, the offensive passing game, their cohesion. All the, what stood out to you of interesting things that were discussed after practice on Wednesday? Uh, for me, since this is a recruiting show, uh, James Franklin not going on the road this weekend uh, yeah. is interesting. And it's a noon kick. Sometimes they, you know, when they have noon kicks and they have to get things accomplished, they don't go out. But that's notable to me. And, and I know people have complained about it. It's, it's not something that changes how things go on Saturdays, like even though people want to put that in their heads that it is. But like that's more time spent focusing on Michigan. It's more time spent focusing on the meetings that they have to go through. So any distraction that you can take out. And of course they have an official visitor coming in, which is, uh, you know, a little bit of a distraction itself, but any sort of small distraction they can get out. I think that it, it tells you where their mindset is for this game. The, the thing that I thought was uh, interesting coming off of that is the, always the conversation around how prepared is Penn State for big games by week was a conversation earlier this year. But uh, the, the part about the third quarter, James Franklin asked about that about his team's dominance in the third quarter. And then uh, immediately before the question was even finished, he said, yeah, and theirs is too. How much do you think that that's going to be a determining factor in this game of who wins that third quarter, given that both teams have been so dominant? Penn State, I don't believe, is allowed a point in the third quarter this year. Neither team has allowed a point in the third quarter this year. It's uh, pretty remarkable. And it's uh, sort of a testament to both staffs, especially on the defensive side of the ball, the adjustments that they make the way that they play like i would i would venture to guess that the third quarter has been the quickest quarter for both of these teams to yeah. you know do what they do on offense to run the football and be a little bit more successful there and then stop uh what opposing teams are doing and i mean let's be honest they've kind of manhandled everyone in the third quarter anyway like michigan has uh you know they've they've done that throughout the game so i i don't know is it probably a storyline we talk too much about yeah but uh, you know there's some credence in there to uh to what both teams do and the way that both teams react and respond and it's one of those reasons like um for the I, it was the iowa game we were talking about that it was a 10 nothing game at halftime or something like that and greg i looked to the left and greg's like they got this the the points are coming they got this and I agreed with him. Uh, he said it first, so I'll give him credit. But I agreed with him. And then all of a sudden, 31 nothing is what you've got. So Penn State, a very good job uh, doing that. But also Michigan does the same thing. So I think that the, that's probably a storyline that's uh, you know a big picture thing, more so than what we're going to see on Saturday. But at the same time, like... Hey, if you can get get out of uh, if you can get out of Dodge with zero points and get into the fourth quarter, I mean that's that's certainly a good thing for Penn. That would be a good thing for Penn State, for sure. 
Yeah. Ryan, uh, final thoughts here as we get to the end of the show. What are you looking forward to over the next two days heading into the game? Uh, or what, are, what maybe is something that people can go check out at bluewhiteillustrated.com that you're going to be writing uh, in the well, next couple of days? Uh, we talked about the third quarter, but this game in the last two years has kind of come down to the fourth quarter. I guess you could say last year's game was the third quarter. They had those two long runs mm -hmm. uh, late in the third. But, you know, obviously last time at Beaver Stadium, it was uh, fourth quarter. And, and, and look, the whole big thing with Michigan, right, is wearing teams down, wearing teams down. Oh, just hit my camera there. I'm getting all out of whack here. Anyway, but I think that's there's some there's some le legitimacy to that. Ryan's ready to run through a wall and smash his camera <laughs> in, the, in the process. Let's go. Uh, but you know, Michigan's a very physical team. Penn State is a very physical team, but they haven't been on Michigan's level the last couple of years. So yeah, third quarter is going to be massive for sure, no doubt. But fourth quarter, in a lot of ways, is is that's where we're really going to know is is Penn State's defensive line better or not? I feel like that fourth quarter is going to we're going to know, and probably in the third too. But uh, as far as this weekend. Well, I am the only one here who predicted Penn State to win, so thank you. To, to, I'm sure everybody <laughs> in the chat is is happy with me right now. But uh, now I'd say go check out predictions. We got a ton of stuff coming up. Obviously, I'll keep updating the uh, visitor list. As Sean already said, we've got a handful of of messages out to guys that we're we're hoping to get confirmations from. But uh, you know, I, the one thing I would say is when I look back at Ohio State and everybody was picking Penn State to win that game, and then I look at this game, I think. I think that Ohio State game was way more easier to predict. And, and I'm still the dumb ass, I'll say, that still predicted Penn State to go to Ohio State and beat them on the road, right? And you changed you know, it. Right. Looking back, just just so people know, you did change it at the last minute. I, I Right. I originally was picking Ohio State. And if you actually – we have a newsletter for our magazine. And if you read my prediction in the, in the magazine newsletter, I picked Ohio State. And then at the end – when I saw the whole beat picking Penn State, so I was like, oh, I can't be the one guy who's picking Ohio State. Of course, Greg was – I left Greg on an really island. Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I left Greg on an island. But uh, but I just – I think on a look back at that, like that game was way more easier to predict than this one. I do genuinely believe Penn State can – I don't want to say can I, – yeah, I do think they can kind of win, man. I, I do. So we'll see if it can happen. It, it's all about, to me, in the trenches, defensive line. Are they more physical? Do they have the depth? Uh, and, and we'll see. But I, I just I, I think Penn State's D line is a little bit better. And I think Michigan's O line and their overall physicality and run game has kind of regressed a little bit. So I don't think they're running for 418 yards. I'll put it that way. Fitz, I'm going to give you a quick second to uh, clear your throat and then give me your final thoughts on uh, what's going on with you heading into the game. Thanks, man. Struggling getting to the finish line. Uh, coming to the game, uh, I'm going to do an S zone for tomorrow. Uh, talk about visitors. Talk about the, the what we're hearing on Penn State's recruiting uh, in 2024 to 25. So look forward to that. That's always a, a popular uh, segment on the site. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm just looking forward to this game. Like, I'm I'm very intrigued because I don't I don't know what's going to happen. I'm so through the first six games, Penn State looked like they looked, but we also kind of had it in the back of our minds that that wasn't the team that that was going to play Ohio state. That wasn't the team that was going to have to play Michigan. And when they got to Ohio state, they were shell shocked. They had to step up their competition level immensely from what they saw in the first six games of the season. Michigan has sort of had a similar buildup to this. And now they've, they've looked great doing it. They've dominated teams. They've, they've run guys off the field, but at the same time, that's a different entity going against them than going against Nebraska and going against the, the other teams that they have, they have beaten. So I'm curious to see how Michigan makes that step. If it takes them some time to get into it or something like that, because it's, it's a great team it, and it's a balanced team. And that's what makes yep. them dangerous is they can hurt you in multiple ways. 
Um, but uh, I'd be very interested to see how um, how Michigan takes that step up and sort of has to get up to speed very quickly. So I because we, we really haven't seen it this year. People keep saying that, you know, you can just wash out Michigan's first uh, eight eight games, eight or nine games uh, for uh, nine games. Um, but uh, it, you can't really do that. But at the same time, you kind of got to have that in the back of your head. Like, how good is this team? And we're going to have to find out yeah. on Saturday. Uh, so I know Penn State fans don't like generally, this is a general statement from what I've seen from the internet, that Penn State fans don't like the Penn State offensive line. This is the best offensive line Michigan has faced all year. I went back and I watched the film. I was really depressing watching some of these offensive lines try to contend with Michigan. And Michigan can be overwhelming because they're fast, they're violent, they're physical. And I just like the first time you put them on tape, it's like, wow, look at this defense. But the longer you watch, you can start to find some of the areas where Penn State might match up better than you would expect. Um, and that's why I hate on Tuesdays and Wednesdays. And it's like, hey, give us your prediction. And I'm like, I, uh, here's some numbers that we can throw on a paper. Um, but what we have coming up here on the BWI Live Show is tomorrow, Clayton Safey of the Wolverine, who is uh, our sister site in the On3 Network. He's going to be joining us for our five things on Friday. So uh, join us for that. We'll get the, uh, the Michigan perspective right before the game. Uh, I'll give you what I think is going to be part of the conversation about how Penn State matches up. But Ryan, as, as you said, um, I guess the way I'd phrase it is... Michigan has more paths to victory. You talk about the balance here mm -hmm. than Penn State. Right now, that that offense, the way they present themselves as balance, run, pass, both are options for them to get explosive plays. Penn State has to prove in the biggest game so far that they do have that balance they've been talking about all year long. Excited to find out how all of that plays out. Guys, thank you so much. Uh, Ryan Snyder, Sean Fitz here on the BWI Live Show. I'm Thomas Frank Carr. We will be back with more like we said, coming up tomorrow, 10 a.m., hope the internet is fine enough that we can actually get the show on the air. We'll talk to you then. <laughs>